You're listening to Elk Point Baptist Church. Subscribe to our podcast to hear every sermon and like us on Facebook by searching Elk Point Baptist Church, located in Elk Point, South Dakota. If you turn your Bibles to the book of Daniel, chapter number 1, I want to begin reading in verse number 1. The Bible says, In the third year of the reign of Jehoiakim, king of Judah, came Nebuchadnezzar, king of Babylon, unto Jerusalem and besieged it. And the Lord gave Jehoiakim, king of Judah, into his hand with part of the vessels of the house of God, which he carried into the land of Shinar to the house of his God. And he brought the vessels into the treasure, treasure house of his God. And the king spake unto uh, Ashpenaz, the master of the eunuchs, that he should bring certain of the children of Israel and of the king's seed and of the princes, children in whom was no blemish, but well favored and skillful in all wisdom and cunning in knowledge and understanding science and such as had ability in them to stand in the king's palace and in whom they might teach the learning and the tongue of the Chaldeans. And the king appointed them a daily provision of the king's meat and of the wine which he drank, so nourishing them three years, that at the end thereof they might stand before the king. Now among these were the children of Judah, Daniel, Hananiah, Mishael, and Azariah. Interesting, isn't it? We know their their names that they were given in Babylon, but it's interesting. We know Daniel's name that he took from Judah with him, but Hananiah, Mishael, and Azariah, we often know them as the names they were given us. We'll see here in just a moment. Notice verse number 7. The Bible says, Unto whom the prince of the eunuchs gave names. For he gave unto to Daniel the name Belteshazzar, and to Hananiah the name of Shadrach, and to Mishael of Meshach, and to Azariah of Abednego. Of Abednego. And we'll stop reading right there and go to the Lord in a word of prayer. Our Heavenly Father, we come to you this morning in Jesus' name, thankful for the work that you are doing, and thankful for your goodness, and thankful for this place. And uh, Lord, though this, uh, so this system's given us some headaches right now, God, it's a blessing, and we know we'll get these things ironed out, uh, and it will be a blessing in the work. Uh, but God, in the meantime, God, I pray you'll help us to focus in on your message and your word. God, you know the hearts of those that are here today. If there's anybody that's not saved, I pray before this service is over, they will come to know you as Lord and Savior. And God, of course, this message, God, is to encourage uh, your people in this day and age in which we live. Uh, And we'll thank you for that, Lord, for it's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. I want to preach on this thought this morning. Remember your name. Remember your name. Uh, And if you'll give me, uh, indulge me for a moment, I want to give you kind of a big picture, then I want to bring it down to a real practical application. Remember your name. Now the context of Daniel chapter number 1 is right around 605 B.C. Early in the summer of 605 B.C., uh, Babylon, which is modern day Iraq, defeated Egypt in a battle of superpowers. They were both uh, jockeying for the position of the superpower of the world at that time. And when they did, when Babylon defeated Egypt, it opened up Palestine for Babylonian control. 
By August of 605 B.C., Nebuchadnezzar took control of Jerusalem, the place that the people, or the place and the people that the Lord had sanctified to be the bastion of light and of truth in the world. However, Since as a nation, Israel had repeatedly rebelled against God, they had gone in and they were going going into captivity. The verse there in verse 2 of our text says, The Lord delivered them into Nebuchadnezzar's hand. Nevertheless, God still preserved a remnant. God always preserves a remnant. God always has a group of people in the midst of whatever apostasy there may be that is standing true to His name and to His cause. Hallelujah for that. Now, the the four particular that were mentioned as the the remnant here uh, was Daniel, Hananiah, Mishael, and Azariah. Men who because they refused to forget their goodly and their godly heritage, they impacted their world and future generations for the glory of Almighty God. Why? Because they refused to forget their names. They remembered their names. As I think about names, and boy, the volume's going crazy again, amen? If we have to, we'll cut it off and just go off of the, the, the acoustics, alright? But, uh, but the, what this reminds me of, oftentimes, is the current state of our country's plight. I think there's some similarities that we face today in our country. Uh, and really, it's interesting as I even gave those stats. I was talking a little outdated there a little bit, wasn't I? Because I said 605 B.C. Well, now that name's been changed. See, we need to remember the name, don't we? Any young person in here today will tell you, it's not B.C. anymore before Christ. It is now before common error. B.C.E. Well, what's the point of that change? Where did that come from? What's the scientific or the historical basis of that change? I'll tell you it's nothing except for anti-God, anti-Christ. It's changing the name. And the same thing with uh, the, the, the current era. You know, it's no longer uh, in the year of our Lord, A.D. The name has been changed. See, the current state of our country on this Memorial Day weekend is strikingly similar. The truth of America's history is that of a Christian heritage. And folks, this was taught uh, for years, for literally three to four hundred years before we were established as the the nation even. Uh, But for what we came here for, and for years there was a true interpretation of history taught, a true view that was taught and believed, and it's called the providential view of history. Now this history was recorded by those that were coming to this country, by those who were the founders of this country, by those who preserved our country for court case after court case. I believe there's 36 instances uh, in the 1800s into the early 1900s where the Supreme Court cited and made the statement that this is a Christian nation founded on Christian principles. But we don't hear about that providential view. Providence is God's hand. Providence is the work of God. And folks, if you study the history of this nation, you'll find out God's hand has been at work in this nation. 
But these facts have not been taught for generations. In the early 1900s, efforts began to, to secularize our country began to gain some traction within education. By the 1920s, more and more revisions and more importantly, omissions were made to history. And by the 1960s, Americans, American students began to be taught from, from an economic view of history versus a providential view of history. In other words, they wanted to take God out of our learning. They wanted to take God and His teaching. It's amazing when we, when, when we realize the things that we do not know today. It is sad to say that since the, uh, the, the Declaration of Independence, the Constitution, so much of our early writings are based, number one, upon the Bible, but then upon the writings of, for instance, people like John Locke. See, John Locke, as I say that today, you may draw a blank. But if I would have said John Locke 80 years ago in this country, most people would have known exactly who I was talking about because they would have understood, oh my goodness, this, is, this man is right along the lines of George Washington in importance to the founding of our nation. But why don't we hear about this man anymore? Because there has been what's called an economic view that was introduced and began to be taught in the 1960s. And what this is, is, is basically, for instance... They begin to base a lot of the reason that we rebelled against uh, against Egypt and against against Egypt against King George against England uh, was because of and it's while it's true taxation without representation. No, we still learn about that the Tea Party and we weren't being represented in the Declaration of Independence. There was twenty seven grievances listed for why we were declaring our independence. Among of the twenty seven. The taxation without representation one was 17. So it's important, but what it is is it's been taken to say, it's, a, it's another way to say this, it's all about the money. It's just a bunch of rich people that come to America to get rich and rich, 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 and it's all about the money. And every decision they ever made was all economic. But folks, they, re they removed the truth of history uh, and, the, and the greater part of history, and that is the providential hand of God Almighty uh, when in regards to His working. Now, uh, so when you consider, and if you look at our history, then you consider how far we've come. How far we've come. Now, Daniel and his comrades, they had to come many hundreds of miles to get to Babylon. They were transported. There was the diaspora, the, the, de the deportation of them into another country. Folks, I want to say today that there's been a, a, a deportation of sorts in our country. Now, we've not changed addresses, but I'm telling you, they've changed names. And so in a sense, we've come a long way in our country to be in a place to where it's unrecognizable from what it was when it was founded. Now, uh, what, was, what was taught, when you think about how far we've come, go back to 1960, go back through the 1900s, you say, I come to church for, uh, not for a history lesson, but for the gospel. Well, just hang in there, and I want to show you how this all ties in. Because this is not a political message this morning. This is just a message for people that need to understand what's going on in the culture around us and how it applies, how the Word of God applies to it, and it applies to the Word of God. But consider how far we've come in regards to morality Amen. in our country today. In morality, spirituality. 
in education. In these decades, there's been a change. America has changed its name because you know what people are taught today? There's been a name change. Not a Christian nation. Not founded as a Christian nation. It was secularist. We were founded for secular purposes and secular reasons and secular motivations. And our country is meant to be a secular nation. That's what it was founded for. That's literally what people are taught today. The only problem is, is that's wrong. And it goes against the truth. It goes against the facts. And so I would argue that we've been taken into a type of captivity since we as a nation have rebelled against God, the God that we once loved and respected, and even for the founding fathers that were deists, the few of them, the handful of them that were indeed deists, uh, even for them, they acknowledged the need for God. They said this country would not work, a republic would not work without God-fearing people. Without people that would govern themselves based on the Word of God. You go read it. Uh, time after time, that is stated. But we live in a time where that's been, uh, that's been rebelled against and forgotten. As I speak these words to you this morning, on this Memorial Day weekend, I'm speaking to you this days after the 116th U.S. House of Representatives, the Congress of the United States of America, passed H.R. 5 otherwise known as the Equality Act. And we couldn't get big enough parentheses to put around equality when we talk about the Equality Act. This passed the United States House, 236 voted for, 173 voted against. 236 congressmen voted for this H.R. 5, the Equality Act, and it passed. And if you look into what this bill stands for, it, it stands in direct opposition to the First Amendment of the United States of America, which again is Bible-based. The First Amendment is, is that Congress shall make no law respecting an establishment of religion or prohibiting the free exercise thereof or abridging the freedom of speech. When you look into this bill, if you'll take a moment to look into it, you'll find out that this bill is in direct opposition to that. It says what a church and what Christian people can and can't do. And it's, uh, it, it literally goes against this and it passes laws that incriminates uh, churches if they're going to stand and Christians if they're going to stand in their businesses and so forth for Christ and for the Word of God. And so uh, those who we remember on this Memorial Day weekend fought and died to preserve uh, this country. They vowed to uphold the Constitution. They vowed to stand for this country. These, uh, these degenerates that voted, these 236 uh, congressmen and men and women that voted to pass this bill, they swore to uphold the Constitution while, uh, while once in office doing everything they can to undo that. Why is this significant to us today? Because, folks, this is very has a lot to do with the, what we're going to be able to do as time goes on, and those that would like to bring about, uh, to, would like to end separation of church and state. Now, separation of church and state is not the Constitution. It's not the Declaration of Independence. Uh, the phrase is found when the Danbury Baptist wrote to Thomas Jefferson and they were concerned about the government interfering in their uh, affairs. The government telling the church what they could and could not do. 
And so Thomas Jefferson said that there is a, there's a wall of separation between church and state that, that b- prohibits the state from working and, and meddling in the, in the church's affairs. Interestingly, that, that's been totally turned upside down today uh, because now they say you can't mention God or the Lord or anything. That's not what it meant. It was literally uh, meant to keep uh, the government from uh, working in the church's affairs. Now, I've been praying and thinking a lot about this, and I'm just kind of giving you a little hint, hint going into Daniel chapter number 1 here. This is some thoughts and some meditations I've been having recently about succeeding in a post-Christian America. How that we as a church and as Christians can succeed in a post-Christian America. How the church can overcome in a country that's been overrun. But as we consider that broader and bigger topic today, we, I, I want to talk about remembering. See, the problem is, is that someone once said, that whoever controls the present controls the past. And by controlling the past, they control the future. Now that's just simply to say this. When people forget history, and those that are in power can control what history is then taught, then as a result of that, they control the future. But now that applies to us as individuals as well. We need to remember who we are. Now I'll transition. I'm not talking about American or not this morning. I'm just talking about Christians. I'm not talking about Republican and Democrat this morning. I'm talking about Bible-believing Christians. I'm talking about the propagation of the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ. I'm talking about seeing the world change one soul at a time. Amen. Preaching the gospel message. uh, Making a difference in the lives of those around us. And so... As we transition from those greater thoughts to a practical application of remember your name, there's a challenge as we consider one of the enemy's tactics. Changing your name. There's an enemy this morning that would change your name. And you know what? You want to know something this morning? Many Christians I know have accepted their name change and they've forgotten their name. They've forgotten their name. And I'll show you what I mean by that in just a moment. See, these young men, they're estimated to be in their mid to upper teens. As I look around at some of our young people this morning, young men, young men that have been taken from their homes, put into a heathen court, and one of the very first tactics, the very first thing they want to do is change the names of these boys. Now why is that? When we look at the meaning of these names, if you'll just bear with me, uh, the name Daniel means God is my judge. But it was changed to Belteshazzar, which means Bel protect his life. Bel, which Bel is a false god, Bel protect his life. Hananiah means the Lord shows grace. But his new name, Shadrach, means command of Aku. Aku was the moon god. Mishael means who is like God. And the new name, Meshach, means who is as Aku is. Again, the moon god. Azariah means the Lord is my help. 
But Abednego means servant of Nebo or Nego. The name of the true and the living God was replaced by the names of the false gods of Babylon. So think about that. Every time Daniel's name was called, it meant God is my judge. God is my judge. You can judge me if you want to, but God is my judge. Who am I going to answer to one day? God. He's my judge. You see how that matters? When I'm reminded that God is my judge... When, I, when, when I'm tempted to compromise, when I'm tempted to do wrong, I've got to stop and remember as I look around. And a lot of times if you're not careful, remember these are young people. Young people can say, well, other people seem to be okay with it. My parents are even okay with it. Some may be able to say, my church is okay with it. But the question and the thing to remember is this. Who's the ultimate judge? God is my judge. That matters. Don't forget that name. But I tell you, not only, not only with Daniel, his name was called and it meant God is my judge. Hananiah. Can you imagine that? Anytime somebody said Hananiah, they were saying, the Lord shows grace. Get over here. The Lord shows grace. Do this or that or the other thing. You can see why the Babylonians didn't want to be calling them these names, but it's significant. And so they wanted to change their names. Now, why, do, why does the world, why does the enemy, and I want you to understand something today, the ultimate enemy is Satan. The battle is not against flesh and blood, but against, it's against principalities and powers and, uh, and spiritual wickedness in high places. But what is the meaning? Why did they try to change their name? Number one, they tried to change their name for control. See, the changing of names in this culture was a mark of dominion and authority. It was customary for masters to impose new names upon their slaves that they might forget the God of their fathers whose name they bore. Say, they want to change your name. They want to change your name. They want to change my name because they want to change our name for the purpose of controlling us. But not only do they want to control us, they, they want it for consecration. Consecration. Now, we often think of consecration as being consecrated to our God. But consecration just means to be set apart, to be dedicated. So it also dealt with identity. This changing of their names may have been designed to make them forget their country, forget their religion, and to lead them to identify themselves with the pagans around them. Don't forget your name. Remember your name. You say, what is my name? I'll tell you a few of your names in just a moment. But don't forget your name. They, they, they try to change your name. They try to change our name. They did it for the purpose of control. They did it for consecration that you might identify, that you might be separated, so to speak, to the world instead of God. See, Jesus, Jesus prayed for us in John 17. And He says, Father, I pray for these. He said that they will be in the world, but not of the world. Amen. We're not to adopt the, the heathen and the pagan practices of our world. It's all around us today. But folks, we have a God. I mean, listen, God is my judge. The Lord shows grace. Who is like God? 
and, uh, and then, uh, then also the Lord is my help. We don't have to bow down. We don't have to be consecrated to the, to the heathen around us. We don't have to try to fit in. Amen. 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 See, but that name change tries to get us to fit. Now listen, it's not that we just go around intentionally trying to be an oddball. And I've probably been accused of that from time to time. But it's not that we just go around trying to be an oddball all the time or anything. But it, and it's not that we, and listen, and I want to say this very clearly, by saying that we want to walk different, live different, not, not adopt those practices around us, that does not mean that we think we're better than anyone. See, because we remember whom the Lord shows grace. Amen. We remember that name. And we just say, you know what? No, no, no. It's just because of God's grace in my life. And God can intervene in your life with His grace. He can make a difference in your life. One of the challenges of my kids throughout uh, the time that we've been bringing them up is this. Uh, letting them hang around uh, different friends and neighbors and, and so forth and hang out. But one of our qualifiers have always been this. We said we want you to be around those. We want you to be able to influence them for Christ. We want you to be able to influence them and, and bring them to Christ and bring them to the house of God. But the moment... We see that they have an ungodly influence that's greater than your godly influence. That's over. You're not going there anymore. You're not hanging there anymore. You see what I'm saying? I mean, we're in the world and we love and we want to be friendly. Jesus was among the people. Jesus was among what was considered the worst of the people. But He did not do the things they were doing. He was trying to help them. He was trying to reach them. So the the name change is for control. The name change is for consecration. The name change is for catering. The change of name, therefore, was designed to denote consecration to the service of this God or this idol. See, Joshua issued the challenge and he said... How how long halt you between two opinions? He said, choose you this day whom you will serve. Serve God or serve the idols and the false gods. I mean, Jesus said, no man can have two masters. And so, catering to the service. And so, in other words, if we as God's people forget our names, forget who we are in Christ, we can actually find ourselves in the service of the enemy. But what is it that's going to help us? Forgetting, not forgetting our names is going to help us in the way of character. Alright? So notice what the Bible says here. Their names were changed. But notice with me quickly in chapter 1 verse 8. The Bible says, But Daniel purposed in his heart that he would not defile himself. I like the fact that it didn't say, it didn't say Belteshazzar, or Belteshazzar purposed in his heart. Daniel purposed in his heart. Daniel purposed in his heart. Uh, I mean, I mean it, it was Daniel. It was God is my judge purposed in his heart. In other words, character. See, changing a name does not change a person's character if you don't adopt it. These young men had been too deeply rooted in the truth and in the faith of their God to adopt the practices of a heathen nation. There's a striking similarity between the experience of Joseph in Egypt and of Daniel in Babylon. Both were Hebrews. Both were prisoners in a strange and heathen land. Both were dreamers and revealers of dream. The moral character of each was severely tested. Folks, and you will be tested. 
Can you imagine being a young man in the court of Babylon? Can you imagine these things being put at your fingertips? It's not easy. That's why we need to purpose in our heart. That's why it's important that we don't forget our name and what our name or what our names are in Christ. Joseph was in the house of Potiphar. Daniel was in the king's palace. The tests that they had were severe, especially considering their age, both in their late teens. They, were both, uh, they both stood firm. They were both a great blessing to the homes where they dwelt. And they both raised to positions of great honor. The secret was their loyalty to God and God's loyalty to them. I love what the Bible says as uh, Joseph was in prison. The Bible says Joseph was thrown into prison. And the Lord was with Joseph. Amen. Amen. And he was there for some ten years. But the Lord was with Joseph. So he was loyal to God. God was loyal to him and faithful to him like he always will be. See, whether or not they accepted these names and adopted these names was of vital importance. Because it would shape their lives from this day forward. Why? Because it would dictate the decisions that they would make from henceforth in this pagan land. You see, knowing that God is my judge, I have no one else to answer to but Him. Considering that the Lord shows grace, (laughs) that's Hananiah, Uh, that that means uh, when I think about that, my God's grace, He's been good to me. So God's my judge. He's been good to me. And then when I take a moment to compare, Mishael, who is like my God? Oh, this world is tempting. This world has a great allure, especially to our fallen natures. Oh, but I'm here to tell you today, we've got to take a moment and we've got to think a second. Wait. But who's like unto my God? What's greater than my God whose grace brought me up out of a pit? Who's greater than my God? And then I love Azariah's name. Things are hard. Things are difficult. But you know what they remembered? The Lord is my help. Amen. Oh, because you get in the midst of temptation and you get in the midst of all these pressures and difficulties and trying times. Oh, and it seems as if you would cave and it seems as if you can't go on. And beloved, on your own, you couldn't go on. But don't forget your name, amen. The Lord is your help. The God of all creation. The all-wise, all-powerful God. He's the one that will show Himself strong on our behalf. He's the one that will undergird us with His strength. Oh, I declare and I say to you today, the reason that any of us are here today, and I can say for sure, the reason I stand before you today is because I've been able to keep some things in mind. I've been able to remember that God is my judge. Amen. Amen. Not the brethren. Not not society at large. But God is my judge. I've been able to remember the grace of Almighty God. Where I was when Jesus saved my soul. What He's done in my life. I've been able to remember these things by the grace of God. I've been able to remember and take a moment and consider who's like unto my God. Who's like this God of mine? And I've been able to pause and say the Lord is my help. Oh, my friend, listen. It's not about my strength. It's not about my wisdom. It's not about my determination. It's about my God. Amen. See, when you think about these things, that's what helped them. You know why? Because in this very chapter, they are now before them is set food that is forbidden for them to eat as Jews. But they remember that God is their judge. And they said, you know what? Everybody else may be okay with this. 
But Daniel's not okay. God is my judge is not okay with this. We're not eating it. But I want to tell you something here. Uh, well, I'll get there in just a second. So if we remember our names, that tells us we will not partake. I'm not talking about our physical diet here, which we could all probably use some help on. But that's not of, at a, of, of near the importance of what we of our intake. What we take into our eyes, what we take into our ears, the things that we're reading, the things that we're learning, the conversations we're a part of. See, if we remember our name, we'll say, I'm sorry, I cannot eat this. This is not on my diet. My God forbids this because it's going to make me sick and it's going to hurt me. So if we remember these things, we will not partake. A little bit later in the book of Daniel, there's a big golden image that's erected of Nebuchadnezzar. And they said, when the music plays, bow down. See, but the thing about these boys is they remembered their name. And they said, we're not bowing down. Why? Because God is my judge. Why? Because God is the God of grace. Why? Because who is like unto this God? Why? Because God is my help. And we'll stand here. Amen. And so there they stood. And so when we remember our names, we will not partake. We will not bow. We will not bow to the pressures. We will not bow to peer pressure around us, folks. We will stand for God's truth. Why? Because it's God's truth that's going to make a difference in people's lives. It's the truth of God that's going to go to Bolivia and help people come to Christ. It's not some watered down message. It's God's Word. Amen. So we will not partake. We will not bow. Furthermore, it means we will keep worshiping our Lord. Later on in the book of Daniel, you find out that a decree was passed that says you can't pray to another God for these days. Daniel said, well, that's fine. But the Bible says he opened up his window as he did other times, as he did every day. And guess what he did? He kept on worshiping his Lord. Amen. Amen. If we remember our names, we will continue and we will keep on worshiping without apology. Our God is great. Our God is mighty. We will not partake. We will not bow. We will keep on worshiping. We will speak the truth without fear or favor of man. See, some of the things that's working within the United States government right now is to say that there are certain things if we preach out of the Word of God, that would be illegal. And the threat is that you'd lose your tax exemption. And some of these other things, I say, so what? Amen. It doesn't matter what the government decides. By the grace of God, we will speak the truth in love. Amen. Amen. I appreciate a government. I appreciate a country that was founded on our freedom of speech. But it's a freedom of speech that they don't have in places like Bolivia and in other parts of the world, in Central, in uh, in in Asia. And in the Middle East. And in many places in Africa. But guess what they're still doing over there? Speaking the truth. Still speaking the truth. And by the way, let me tell you something else. They're still being slaughtered by the hundreds and by the thousands every day. Christians are around this world. Why? Because they're speaking the truth. Amen. They will not bow down. Because God is their judge. Amen. God's a God of grace. Who's like unto Him? He's my help. 
And I want to say this, that it means, if we remember who we are, it means that we will do all this with love and respect. Let me tell you something that the enemy tries to incite within our country and within other countries as well in just general conversations. Divisiveness. See, we have this tendency to where we would... We, we, the Bible says this battle is not with flesh and blood. By golly, we're going to take this battle to flesh and blood. And we're going to get in this battle and we're going to get in this fight. You notice what these boys did. You know what they did? Let me tell you something, students. They were young men. They stood for God. They stood for what's right. But they, they, they said and they actually went and requested... We would rather not eat this food because it's against our God. Will you give us an option? Will you give us a chance? They were respectful. So in other words, they were respectful to the... They treated the ignorant middlemen, captors, with dignity and respect. Do not be lured in to some high-tempered, getting-ready-to-throw-fist fight with somebody that's just been deceived by Satan. Amen? These boys, when these boys were called Belteshazzar, when these boys were called Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, they didn't say, hey, don't you call me that. Don't you do that. You know what they did? They said, that's fine. You can call me what you want to, but I'm going to live the way God wants me to. You see what I'm saying? I'll tell you something else, students. You want to know something? They were being taught all kinds of pagan things. These four boys graduated at the tops of their classes. They did the work. They did what they needed to do. They showed respect. So what I'm saying is, you, we can stand without falling into what they want us to fall into. We can fall, I mean, uh, man, you, have you seen there's, there's a congressman that stand, goes out in Philadelphia, I believe it is, and he, like, he, he, he fusses at these, uh, the, the, the protesters that are out in front of this uh, abortion clinic. Kind of bullies them around and stuff. These little teenage girls and whatever. Out there calling them all kinds of names. He's, like, he's, a, he's an elected official. Um, but what's he trying to do? He's trying to get them to fight back. Because it's much like Israel today, you know. Uh, you can bomb Israel all you want to, but let Israel send a missile. Oh my goodness, Israel, look what they did today. You know, it's the same type of thing. It's the same thing that happens with us today. But, uh, but their names were based on the Word of God. Don't forget your names. See, sometimes when we're called these names, when we begin to think of ourselves as these names, we need to think to ourselves, you must have me confused with someone else. I was at Micaiah's graduation yesterday, the funniest thing, and I apologize to Michael in advance, but I'm just, it's just the truth. <laughs> Saw one of these young girls up there in uh, Brother Ruckman's church in International Baptist Church there in Sioux Falls, South Dakota. And I went up and I spoke to her, spoke to her, hello, McCoy, how are you? And she's like, oh, I remember you. And she's like, wait, uh, yeah, have you gotten married yet? <laughs> She thought I was Michael, you know, which is like 20-something years my junior, uh, bless his heart. Uh, but, uh, but, but, the, but the thing is, I'm like, no, that's a, di- that's a different guy, amen? Uh, but but they mistook my identity. But see, sometimes people may mistake our identity. They may try to give us an identity. They must have us confused with someone else. And I want to just give you a couple names that I, that I adopted and then we're gonna, or that we sometimes fall into. And then I'm going to close with this. See, the devil sometimes will say your name is guilty. That's good. Guilty. That's good. Amen. But you know what I say? <laughs> oh, no, no. Devil, you've got that wrong. My name's forgiven. Amen. Amen. I've been forgiven. I've gone to God. My sins have been washed away with the blood of Calvary. Amen. I'm not guilty. My name's forgiven. 
See, the enemy ever come to you, and I'm telling you, this is the names that too many Christians adopt. The enemy ever come to you and say, you're a loser. You're a failure as a Christian. You're a failure. You're a lemon. You're broke. Oh, no, you've got me mixed up with someone else. Yes, I have failed. And yes, I have lost. But my name's not loser. My name's conqueror. Thank you very much. My name's conqueror. My name's forgiven. I mean, listen, the enemy comes and he says, you're overcome. You're overwhelmed. And you're overcome. And some of you believe it. But we need to tell you, you're mistaken. My name's Overcomer. See, I've been given this name by God. They were given their names by God. Their names were based on the Word of God. Our names are based on the Word of God. Not on our feelings. Not even on uh, my experience from day to day. It's from God's Word. Amen? He's the one that's named me. You ever feel like a reject? Well, see, this is a longer name. But he says, my name is accepted in the beloved. Amen. That's my name. I'm accepted in Christ. I belong. I may not always feel like I belong, but I belong. Amen. Why? Because of Christ. Oh, does, does the enemy ever come and say, you're defeated. That's your name. You've tried. You've fought. And you've lost. Oh, well, I may have failed a time or two, and I, but, but the truth of the name is, my name is Soldier. Amen. Amen. Oh, the enemy says, here, you know what we fall into today? You're intolerant. I know who you are. You're intolerant. You've got a moral stand. You're intolerant. I said, no, no, no. You've got the wrong name. You've got the wrong name. I'm not intolerant. I'm ambassador. Nice to meet you. I'm an ambassador for Christ. Oh, they would, say, they would accuse that if we are uh, for traditional marriage, if we're against sodomy and we're against, I mean, we're against all these other designations, you're talking about identity. Listen, we're against that sin. But you ask anybody that's been a homosexual that's ever walked in the doors of this church. You talk to anybody that's ever been homosexual that I have met or talked to. And you know what they'll be able to say to you? He loved me and treated me with absolute respect. He didn't agree with me. He didn't agree with my sin. But you know what? He loved me. Amen? Hey, I mean, I'll tell you right now. I mean, listen. Why? Because I'm an ambassador for Christ. I'm against people being uh, controlled and overcome and overrun by alcohol. Drunkenness. Does that make me hate alcoholics? That's idiotic. I'm I'm against people. I'm against girls that are in sex trafficking. Well, how dare you hate them? What? I don't hate them. I love them. I care about them. I want to see a difference made in their lives. You understand? It's silly. It's asinine to say just because we disagree with someone's lifestyle does not mean that we hate them or that we're scared of them. Oh, you're, you're an Islamophobe. No, I'm not. Amen. I, I mean, listen, I want to reach the Muslim people. Amen. And let me tell you something. Muslim people are coming to Christ in droves. They really are. I mean, listen, I am not, I am not intolerant. We are ambassador. You've got the wrong name. You've got the wrong name. Some people say, you're hopeless. That's the wrong name. My name is Masterpiece. 
He said, that sounds arrogant. Well, no, because the Bible says, remember they get these designations from God. The Bible says, ye are His workmanship. Created in Christ Jesus. In other words, I'm not there yet, but He's still working on me. How about this one in our modern day? And I'm bringing it to a close here. You are evolutionary accident. That's who you are. You came about by chance. You are, you are somehow failing. Because I could say that to you. I was going to say you're ignorant. That's the name they try to give us. But I say, no, we have the knowledge of Christ and we have true knowledge. Oh, your faith, you know, and you, be- you believe that God spoke and created all these things, this God, and, and uh, man, I'll tell you, I don't know how you believe that, you know, it's like, man, I don't know how I can't just have this, you know, there's a much more scientific view, it's been, it's been proved over and over again in laboratories, has it not, that you can take absolutely nothing and there's somehow a big bang or, or, or nothing Somehow spawns some things. All these things kind of come together within the universe to like just the size of a hardly anything. Spin around really, really fast. Explode. Off of this becomes the, the planet Earth. This hot rock. Somehow out of nowhere, somewhere, whatever it was, it began to rain. It began to rain on this hot rock and on this hot, and out of this hot rock there became a single cell. I'm just like, man, you're blowing my mind with this scientific knowledge right now. This is amazing. It rained on a rock and a creature came out. And that creature uh, came out just as a single cell uh, you know, uh, thing. And, and then all of a sudden it grew a tail and legs. And all of a sudden it grew a tail and it, it, it grew longer legs. And it grew a beard and it put on a pair of glasses. And it went and taught in the university. I've seen some of these professors. You could almost convince me some of that. You believe we came from God. How silly. I believe we come from a rock. I believe we came from a rock. Rock God. That's macroevolution in a nutshell. Oh my goodness. The science blows my mind. No, you talk, that's faith, folks. That's faith. Study the details. I mean, I'm making some fun of it and I'm not covering it in detail. My goodness, I'm trying to do it in two or three minutes. But the point is, we believe that we come from a true God. They believe we came from nothing. In other words, your name is evolutionary accident. You have no purpose. There's no right or wrong except that which you decide is right or wrong. Is it right to you? Is it okay with you? Then you know it's okay. Right is right. It's up to the individual. There's no moral standard. Think about all the, think about all the evil religions done. Wait a second. Well, there's no evil, is there? Who determined that there was evil? It, it, maybe it was right to them people. You see what I'm saying? There's just so many philosophical, scientific problems with this stuff. And then they get mad when somebody goes out here and commits a crime and kills somebody. I can't believe they did that. Why, why not? Maybe it wasn't wrong to them. Maybe it wasn't wrong to them. After all, what's it really matter? We're just all evolutionary accidents that are just all here. We just all, just like if this piano killed over and was done, that's just like us and we die. And it's all these things. You're an evolutionary accident. But you know what we just say? No, you're mistaken. My name is another long name. My name is fearfully, middle name, and wonderfully made. Amen. Amen. That's who I am. I've been created. I've been designed by a designer. I mean, how many times have they, you know, taken and... uh, I've got to stop on this, but, you know, how many times has it been proven, you know? The way a scientific person does Thanksgiving is a lot better than some of you fools. 
I'm sorry to say that, but it is. All you do is go bring, bring a bunch of food, throw it into the kitchen, put some TNT in there, some nitroglycerin, and blow it up. <laughs> and you come in there, dinner's done. Pies are out there. I mean, the turkey's over here. Because great explosions always bring about Thanksgiving stuff, right? And, uh, and so, I mean, you know what I'm saying? It's just there's some foolish things about that. But let's all stand. Don't forget your name. You say, preacher, you're all over the place. Well, let me, t- t- let me thank you for letting me take you there. Amen. You say, my legs are tired. Amen. Well, I apologize. But uh, listen, don't forget your name, child of God. As Miss Kim begins to play, you may be sitting there thinking, what in the world was all that about? I can't answer all of that. But may I say one thing today, child of God? Don't forget your name. Have you forgotten? I can tell you've forgotten. You know how I can tell I forget you've forgotten? Because decisions you're making. You've accepted mediocrity. You've accepted the status quo. You've forgotten who you are. Who you've been created to be by our God. What is your name today? What is your name? If you're here today and you're not saved, today you can become saved. Amen? You can trust Christ. You can have your sins forgiven. How about it today? This altar is open. I've decided to follow Jesus. How about you? How about you this morning? Don't forget your name. I appreciate your patience this morning. Heavenly Father, I thank You, dear Lord, for saving my soul, changing my life. I thank You that we don't just believe superstition, God. I thank You that we've got sound philosophy, sound science in our corner. But you know what? The main thing that we have in our corner is You, the truth, the Almighty God. You're my judge. You're the God of grace that's shown grace in my life. Who is like unto You? Lord, You're my help. Thank You for that, dear Lord. I feel like all these names that we are called says the same thing that the name of those Hebrew boys said. If there's anybody here today not saved, God, I pray You'll save them. In Jesus' name.